Hi! Welcome to the first episode of Serendipity Girl, Discovering Good and God in Life. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm on a passionate quest to discover, think on, and celebrate the positive and the good. You know, the Philippians 4, 8 things that are true, excellent, good, worthy, praiseworthy, things like that. So thanks for joining. Now, before we get started, I want to unpack what the word serendipity means. You may be wondering, what in the world does that mean? Well, I just love the word serendipity. I just love saying it. But the definition is the occurrence and development of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. But I don't think anything happens by chance. And there's another definition that I found that's divine serendipity, which is basically God bringing things and people together with other people and things and events in ways that might seem random or by chance, but they're not. And that's what I love. In each episode, I hope to bring you some serendipitous discoveries about good and the God who is good, who is behind them. So here's, here's a little bit of trivia about the word serendipity. Do you know it was first coined in 1754, suggested by a fairy tale of all things called the Three Princes of Serendip, in which the heroes were always making discoveries by accident or by wisdom of things that they weren't really in a, you know, in a quest for. So there you go. You've got the history of serendipity. This makes for great dinner conversation. The next time, just say, do you know what serendipity means? So moving on, here's the trivia question. And this is what we're going to be discussing this time. Can you tell me what movie this song lyric comes from? Someday my prince will come. If you said Walt Disney's Snow White, you're absolutely right. Ding, ding. And I love anything that Disney makes or has made that Walt Disney made. I love classic Disney fairy tales like Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. Um, and even some of the newer ones, I love them as well. Um, Aladdin, all those different movies. But have you noticed that people are obsessed with fairy tales? I know I am. And apparently I'm not alone, because when you look at all the fairy tales, whether it's Grimm's fairy tales or Hans Christian Andersen or the various stories, and then when you look at all of the movies and musicals that are being made, look at Cinderella, for example. Cinderella has been made into a cartoon Disney movie, and then later Disney turned it into a live action then also it was made by Rodgers and Hammerstein into a musical. And it's also been made in a live action movie um, like Ever After with Drew Barrymore and Angelica Houston, who is absolutely hilariously evil in this movie. She's, she's funny while she's scary at the same time. I highly recommend Ever After. But have you noticed that they all kind of have kind of the same theme? For the most part, it's the damsel in distress who needs to be rescued, and along comes the valiant, noble knight, or he's noble in his heart, even if he's not a knight, or he's a prince, but she gets rescued, they fall in love, and of course, he is willing to lay his life down for her. 
this theme, this plot plays out over and over and over. You see it in Snow White, where the evil um, stepmother queen, and what is it with evil stepmothers in a lot of these fairy tales? She's jealous because Snow White's prettier than she is. So, of course, that means Snow White has to die. That makes sense. But um, she tries to do her in and eventually does. In the Disney movie, she does her in with a poisoned apple. And uh, Snow White is lying there in repose. But she's basically kicked the bucket. And um, the dwarves are mourning her. But along comes the handsome prince. And with true love's kiss, revives her. And, of course, they live happily ever after. That is the deal. They have to live happily ever after. That you can't have a fairy tale without happily ever after. So that's just Snow White. But then look at uh, Sleeping Beauty, how a wicked fairy who's jealous for who knows what reason, not a really good one. She condemns her to a curse where she will prick her finger and die. But a fairy steps in and says, no, I'm I can't undo the whole curse, but I can undo the death part. She's going to sleep for 100 years. And so, lo and behold, while she and the rest of the kingdom are asleep in some sort of transfixed magical state, a prince comes and he finds out about this princess, falls in love with the idea of her, and he rescues her after facing down Maleficent, the queen, who is a dragon, turns herself into a dragon, and braving the brambles of the briars and the thorns of the forest and everything that's in his way, but love cannot be stopped. So that's Sleeping Beauty. But it's not just the movies. It's also in music. Bruno Mars, he sings, I would take a grenade for you. That's really romantic. I hope he never has to do that for anyone. But I think when I look at my children and look at children that I see at Walt Disney in the park, the girls are all dressed up as a pretty princess. And the guys are, for the most part, dressed up as some sort of hero, whether it's a Star Wars hero or a Disney picture hero, but, you know, from the Incredibles or something like that. But they want to, they want to slay the dragon. I watched my kids play and my daughter wanted to be the pretty princess and my son wanted to be, you know, the action hero, right? So I see that with children. I see that with um, my own children, see it in the movies. So we're definitely obsessed with this plot. And I have a serendipity discovery or serendipitous discovery that I think is the reason why. I don't think everyone all over the world just decided to sit down and say, we like this plot. From everything from Princess Bride to Cinderella to Bruno Mars, we like this plot. But it is a, a wonderfully romantic plot. So how did we all arrive at this um, plot? That's a good question. One which, when I was reading in the Bible recently, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, I found one of the most romantic scriptures that you'll ever find, next to John 3:16, which is very romantic as well. It says in Isaiah 43, 1, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are are mine. Wow. You know, the first thing I see in that scripture says that this is what the Lord says. He who created you, he who formed you, and I like to personalize it. 
and put my name in there because God's definitely created me. And as we will talk about in a minute, the redemption thing, that's not just for Israel. As wonderful as Israel is, God has a larger plan in mind. So what is his plan? Well, we'll get to it in a minute. But let's talk about creation. If you want to know that what my theory is, my theory is that God has created us with this desire and he's put this desire in our DNA to long to have someone to love us so much that they would be willing to sacrifice. Jesus himself said, you know, um, if you're willing to lay your life down for your friends, right? How many friends do we have who would lay their life down? I mean, wow, <laughs> that's a lot of love. And, um, and yet, when I look at the Bible, I see, I see that God himself, I believe, has programmed us with this, and that's why it's so universal, this plot, with the damsel and, and the rescuing hero. But let's talk about creation, because creation is kind of God's billboard, and it says, He who created you. And this billboard is to get our attention, because God, like any good suitor, is basically showing off in a good way to try and get our attention, because he wants to woo us, much like the romantic hero. Did you know that creation, if you look in 10 drops of water, the number of molecules in just 10 drops of water is equal to the number of stars in the universe? And that is from Geneva.edu. Also from science.howstuffworks.com. Did you know that Earth is the only planet in our solar system that has liquid water? And if the Earth was closer to the sun, the oceans would boil. And if it was farther from the sun, the oceans would freeze. And yet God, who created all of us, shows his love daily by keeping our planet exactly where it needs to be. And he sustains it so we don't go hurtling off in space like some bad Star Trek episode <laughs> where the ship is like out of control, right? The planet stays exactly where it needs to stay. All the other plants stay exactly where they need to stay. And there's just certain things you can count on in creation because there's a creator who made us who is keeping it all going. But I also see this love theme that you see in the movies and the fairy tales playing out in creation when I bird watch. Did you know that the male cardinal and the male red house finch, they are beautifully red, whereas the female is more of a brownish color that would blend in really well with like trees, for example. There's a reason for that. It's not because God loves the male cardinal better. It's because he can protect her better because a predator will more readily recognize him and can go after him. And I watched the male and the female uh, as they're approaching the bird feeder. And it looks to me like the male is always very close by, he's observing, he's watching, often he will go first, or he's always very close by when she's there. And I see it as a protective thing. And I see it with the red house finch too. Often they're there together. But I see this plot playing out even with the birds. And when I look at the how cool granite is, for example, the God who created us, he's trying to get our attention because, and he doesn't make it you have to be looking just a little bit because he wants to be sought after as well. 
You know, he doesn't want to program us to say, you must love me like an automaton. He wants people who love him because they choose to. And so he makes creation beautiful. Look at granite, for example. If you have granite countertops, that granite doesn't come out of the earth looking like that. It First of all, you have to slice down and get the granite. If you've ever seen Stone Mountain, which is the largest exposed piece of granite uh, in the world, I believe, it's in Georgia. And it doesn't look like much from the outside, but the wise person who's looking can chisel down with the right equipment, I'm sure, and then polish it. And then all the myriad of designs that you can see in granite, it's like God is just coloring and he's so creative and so awesome that he's coloring the granite and we don't even see it unless we're, you know, getting it out of the earth and how many people even know it's there right or knew it was there until man discovered it or God allowed him to discover it so this God who created us he not only creates us and sustains us but he says fear not I've redeemed you I've called you by name you are mine the reason I think that we like all these fairy tales and this plot so much with the damsel and the rescuing hero is because that's what God did for us And John 3.16, when he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. You see, Adam and Eve, the first humans, really messed up. They chose to not believe God. They chose to sin. And as soon as they chose to sin and do something that God asked them not to do, he only gave them one rule. And that was because he wanted them to show that they love him, not be robots or automatons. And he just gave them one rule and it was for their good. But they didn't believe him and they chose to sin. And in that moment, the cancer of sin spread like wildfire to every single human being who has ever been born, which means we're all in trouble, like the damsel in distress. And yet God, before he even created us, already had a plan, which he announces in the first book of the Bible, Genesis by saying he is alluding to the fact that his son, Jesus, who is fully God, was going to come down and take care of our sin problem. And he did by dying on a cross and taking every single sin, every lie, every time we've stolen or had a proud thought or said something unkind. It can be something as small as just thinking something unkind, you know, about someone and being proud Those are sins too. It doesn't have to be all the big major stuff, but sin, all of it put Jesus on the cross. And yet as the rescuing hero, he refers to us as the church and he refers to the church as a bride. And the bride is definitely a female image. And so there's the damsel in distress. And Jesus is the prince that woos us, that died for us. And at Easter rose again, like he said, proving that he is Savior, he is Lord, and he is the only one who can rescue, just like the prince in the fairy tales is the only one who can rescue. Now, I know it's really popular now to try and rewrite some of these fairy tales, girl power and all that, but let's just deal with the classic that everybody's been happy with up until just recently. (laughs) So, um, Jesus is that prince. And so, there's my serendipity discovery And I hope that if you have not put your faith in Jesus, that you will grab a Bible, read in the book of John, find out who this Jesus is, find out that what he's done for you is for you, 
and put your faith in Him. And until then, I am looking forward to seeing you next time on Serendipity Girl. Have a serendipitous week. See you next time.